Coming up in this episode of Abundantly Charged, self-management, regulating our thoughts and emotions. Stay tuned. Welcome to the premiere season of Abundantly Charged. We're your hosts, Dr. Grant Chandler, CEO of Students Matter, and Jill Lewis, CEO of Brilliance and Beyond. In this season, we'll mix interviews and great conversations with in-depth thinking around key social and emotional skills we need as educators to keep us fully prepared to successfully navigate the demands of teaching and leading in the 21st century classrooms. The demands of the educational system have never been stronger. While we all know we need transformative change to revolutionize this troubled system, ensuring our own high-powered social and emotional skills will help each of us navigate these changes while developing these critical skills in our students, too. Join us as we explore how we remain abundantly charged. Hello and welcome to the third episode of Abundantly Charged. I'm Dr. Grant Chandler. And I'm Jill Lewis. And together, Grant and I are very excited to welcome you to this podcast. In this episode, we're going to learn what self-management is, why we need it, and ways to incorporate it into your everyday life so you too can be abundantly charged. Self-management skills are ways we regulate our emotions and support positive interactions with oneself and others. The official definition from CASEL, that's the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning states, quote, self-management is the ability to manage one's emotions, thoughts, and behaviors effectively in different situations and to achieve goals and aspirations, unquote. These two different definitions not only paint a picture of what self-management is, but there are some powerful words at work here, much like our emotions are really powerful. Spending time honing into the meaning of these words and phrases will provide us with so much depth in understanding how to regulate our emotions in order to remain abundantly charged. Grant, what specifically resonates with you from those different definitions? I think the thing that comes to mind when you ask that question is this idea of really being able to, you know, if we, if we kind of capture last week's episode on self-awareness and then tie it to this one, it's, it's really being able to capture where we are and in a, in a, in terms of an emotion or thoughts, but then also being able to regulate that, being able to, you know, so I, I, I hit the basement and I'm, you know, I'm down and out about a particular, you know, situation, you know, this helps me identify and say, Hey, Grant Chandler, you happen to be down and out right now. And, you know, you can choose to stay there you know, in, in that basement, or you can think about how you get out of that little bit of a funk and what do you do differently to, to, you know, to kind of restore some, some balance back to what you're thinking. It is so easy 
so easy in 2022 to be overwhelmed by everything that's going on in the world and to, you know, to not be aware of what we're thinking or what we're feeling or what we're doing. And then to not be able to manage it, I think is a recipe for disaster. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking as you were speaking of all the educators and how on a daily basis that they have to do that. They're are times where maybe some of their entire day, they are down in the basement, but what are they doing to get themselves out? And that is where we have to be thinking about identifying what it is. What is it that I'm feeling? And then moving through that whole self-management of those emotions. You know, I, I just was creating a uh, some some professional learning for a district this week, and I would had been reading the book from Kristen Sowers and Pete Hall, uh, mm-hmm. fostering resilient learners, and you know she talks about you know she talks about the upstairs brain and the downstairs brain, and you know that we we you know when we uh, when we have students that are you know kind of functioning from that downstairs brain, which is that that reflexive flight fighter freeze. It's like we choose then we as educators have to choose whether we're going to respond to that in our upstairs brain or our downstairs brain. So I think it's Mm -hmm. absolutely this whole idea of being able to pinpoint, you know, and to really be able to identify what we're feeling, what we're thinking, what we're doing, and then to be able to make adjustments to that, I think is really, really important to, uh, to all of our, our teachers and leaders as they are confronting difficult situations that seems like every minute of every day. Mm-hmm. And I think um, and the piece that really sticks out to me is the to achieve goals and aspirations. And when you brought up the downstairs or the upstairs brain, in order to do that, I have to be in my upstairs brain. And that's Absolutely. where teachers need to be, right? To really achieve those those big things that you want to do and make a difference in other people's lives. So if you're not acting in that, then what do we have to do? Well, we need to determine what and why we feel a specific emotion. Why are we staying down in the basement? And as we spoke of in episode two of Abundantly Charged, we really have to identify that. And I think this hit home for me. We all have a purpose that we believe in and goals and aspirations fall right into what we want to accomplish and how we want to use the gifts we have for good. And depending upon how we act or manage those emotions is a true game changer. And I say this because we regulate our emotions in three different ways. Dr. Mariana Pagosan says, managing our emotions fall under the following categories of reappraisal, suppression, and emotional acceptance. So let's say that again, right? Managing our emotions falls under the following categories, reappraisal, suppression, and emotional acceptance. Uh, Sounds like this particular episode is going to get a little deep, Jill. It's always good to go deep, but then that gives us that extra thinking, right? The important thinking where we are analyzing and creating something different. Absolutely. So let's tackle them, right? One at a time. Reappraisal is thinking about the emotion and then reframing the emotion into a more positive nature. 
So let's say you're angered by a situation <laughs> that doesn't happen very often, does it, Jill? <laughs> oh, not at all, right? No, <laughs> no really, sarcasm here. <laughs> not at all, not at all. As I'm laughing, right? Really angry, right? This is an intense emotion, and and can move into rage and jealousy and and even revenge. Using that category of reappraisal identify it and feel it. Notice I I didn't say act on it, but feel it. How is your body responding? Are you breathing heavy? (laughs) Have you made a fist? (laughs) Is your jaw clenched? Are you reaching for something to throw? (laughs) All of these are examples are there ways that in terms of how you feel a particular emotion. To reframe the emotion and to manage the anger, you need to release it in some way. Grant, I want to jump in here and share a story with you. Years ago, my brother and I were talking about some of the day-to-day triggers that occur in our jobs. At the time, he was the vice president of finance at a worldwide university based out of Chicago. And I was in the educational field. Both high-intensity jobs, simply different sectors and responsibilities. And one of his strategies that he shared with me to reset his emotions after an intense meeting or phone call was to take a pencil and snap it in half, just snap. Um, And he went on to share with me that it helped to reset his physical duress and frustration in a harmless manner. I'll bet you he went through boxes of pencils, didn't he? (laughs) Boxes, cases, cases of pencils. And I might have one year, like actually sent him a box at one point in time. (laughs) Merry Christmas. (laughs) Exactly. So, but the physical act of breaking that pencil and the sound of the snapping created a tool that was effective and quick, and it allowed him to feel the emotion. He reframed it and he was able to reset his thinking about the situation. He even shared that he had better clarity of the situation after he did this. I thought that was really fascinating too. And because of that conversation with him, I have since shared the strategy with my daughter and used it myself. And I have found it to be a very good and effective strategy to help reset that emotion. And, you know, and think about the, the ability to anticipate, right? I can get really, really upset. I can say, terrible things because nobody else can hear me. But I know that this ends with, I'm going to go break a pencil in half. I'm going to hear that sound. I'm going to, I'm going to be really excited by watching it snap and splinter. And then life's going to be better after that. Right. And it's what a great way to anticipate the reset Mm -hmm. because we always have a choice. We can always choose positive reactions or negative reactions to help relationships flourish or bottom out. When we self-manage, we own the feelings and how we respond. We motivate ourselves to persevere through a difficult task and reach personal, professional, and academic goals through the intentionality of our actions. So let's move on to our second category, suppression. Suppression is the opposite of reappraisal. It is also seen in a more negative light. You still experience the emotion, but you stop your response to recognize and express the emotion. 
So really creating this cyclical nature of constancy where you suppress it, but it's still there. So it counteracts the building relationships and showing empathy to those around you. It also creates a void when connecting with others, and it creates a disconnect to your feelings and how you are going to respond to situations involving others. You know, Jill, we always have a choice. We can always choose positive reactions. We can choose negative reactions to help relationships flourish or bottom out. When we self-manage, we own these feelings of ours and we own how we respond. We motivate ourselves to persevere through a difficult task so that we can reach personal, professional, and academic goals through the intentionality of our actions. Let's move to that second category, Jill. Talk to me about suppression. The second category, suppression, is the opposite of reappraisal. It is also seen in a more negative light. You still experience the emotion, but stop your response to recognize and express that emotion. And this really counteracts building relationships and showing empathy to those around you because it creates a void when connecting with others. And it also creates a disconnect to the feelings that you are having and how you respond in situations involving others. So let's talk about that for just a minute. If I were really, really, really angry with a relative, what would it look like, Jill, if I were suppressing that emotion? So I see it as, you know, you just kind of in my head, you're, you're pushing down that anger on your face. You have that smile. You act like nothing's going on, that there's nothing you have to say that um, showcases that anger, or you just continue to go about your business and act like nothing happened. And I think that that gets to be a, a very negative space in and of itself. At some point, it can just kind of rise to the surface and it rises to the surface in a really ugly way. Mm -hmm. And it even can rise um, to the surface and not just to the person that you need to have a conversation with, but it also permeates to every other aspect of your life throughout. Is there ever a time when suppression is a positive reaction? I think the key piece to suppression is when you take suppression of an emotion, because you need to massage it, you need to find out the why and the what is happening and how you're feeling about it. So by suppressing it in that moment, it gives you time to take a step back and understand why you're feeling what you're feeling, how you want to show up and work through that emotion. And that's when I think that that can be used as a positive. You know, I, sadly, I was thinking of a, of a very specific situation in, in my own life with a, a relative where um, there was a really, really ugly situation. And, um, and I did just that. I suppressed it for quite a while. And I will tell you, 
that that relationship feel felt at the time incredibly fake, right? Because, you know, I'm horrifically angry about a particular situation and I'm not letting on, right? I've, and this went on for months, <laughs> right? Where, <laughs> where I'm, I'm having interactions with this person. I'm very, very angry. Uh, and yet acting like everything is okay. And um, that person is doing the same, right? And is kind of oblivious that I even know about a particular situation so that, you know, I would agree with you. There was the, there was the positive in that, okay, I could step back and like really think and process and figure out whatever. But if we suppress too long, then, you know, when it comes to the you know, when that, that emotion comes to the surface, it, it, it can, it can look dragon-like in, uh, in how it comes out. Our third category, emotional acceptance, is simply accepting how you feel and not trying to change it in one way or another. It decreases negative emotions and actually helps you build resilience. Now, who hasn't been told to just feel through the emotion and it will release faster? So this has been said to me, and it actually works. If you feel it instead of trying to suppress it, then it's going to be able to release faster. You'll be able to have better clarity. You'll be able to make a plan on how you can work with this person or how you can share that emotion and how you can manage it more effectively. And this is exactly what emotional acceptance does. When we acknowledge our emotions and when we do not give them power to threaten our well-being, a decision can be made to do something about it or not do something about it. You know, we always have a choice. We can choose positive reactions. We can choose negative reactions. Those choices help relationships flourish or they help relationships bottom out. Seems like I've said that before. When we self-manage, we own our own feelings and how we respond. When we can motivate ourselves to persevere by deciding how I want to show up in order to reach personal and professional goals through that intentionality. And I think that is just a really profound I didn't write that part, Jill did. Um, and so I can say that that's really, really profound because it's like uh, thinking about how I want to show up. That is, I think, a really great way of looking at self-management, right? Thinking about how I want to show up. What? How do I want to work through emotions? How do I want to respond to those emotions or those thoughts? When, when do I choose not to respond? And in what ways do I respond that is positive? And in what ways do I respond that's just going to be destructive? So Jill, how would you summarize as we come to the end of, uh, we're getting close to the end of this episode, how would you summarize reappraisal, suppression, and emotional acceptance? When I think about summarizing these three different ways in working with self-management of our emotions, we have reappraisal. And so this is going to give us more of a positive manner in how to work through the emotions and how we can manage that of what we are feeling. So if we recognize it and then we can make that plan of how is it best going to serve me when I act upon it, that is going to give us the best and the most positive way 
to work through and manage some of these emotions that we're having. When we look at the other piece of suppression, this is going to be one of those ways that if we don't want to stay in there too long, just as Grant had said, if we stay there way too long, what's going to happen is it's going to continue to eat away at us and it's going to erode the very fabric and of the relationships that we want to have. And then, of course, the acceptance. The acceptance is going to be one of those that really gives you probably the most power in your choice because it does say you can accept this feeling and I can do something with it or I don't have to do something with it. And there was a situation actually that just happened last night. My daughter was playing basketball and she's on the middle school basketball team. And so her coach had pulled her over and said some things to her that she didn't quite understand. And she also didn't feel it was valid. So our conversation was, how are you going to approach your coach to have a conversation with them so that you know what it is that he was actually talking about? And she made the decision, mom, I have a plan in place for if it happens next time. I didn't ask the clarifying question. She didn't quite say clarifying. She is only 12 and a half, but I didn't ask the question to get more information. I will do that next time, but I have a plan in place for next time. So she made that choice. She did do that acceptance, the emotional acceptance part. Uh, I was hopeful she would move into more of the reappraisal but she was also not necessarily suppressing the feeling, but she could be. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out in the end. Abundantly charged means not only having developed strong social and emotional skills, but also having the ability to recharge and continuously grow our abilities when the demands on our lives and on our profession as educators seems to drain them. In essence, we have to have the ability to remain abundantly charged. Next week, Jill and I will speak with a sitting educator to talk about this big idea of emotional health and intelligence as it wraps up really neatly together this, the, these two domains of self-awareness and self-management. Uh, when we invite our guests next week, they will share their experiences, their expertise, and the importance of each in leading themselves and others in sharing how they charge forward and recharge to live fully and flourish. Until next time, let's remain abundantly charged. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Abundantly Charged. New episodes drop every Tuesday afternoon beginning January 18th and running through March 22nd. We'll take a break and then return with Season 2 in mid-April. Abundantly Charged is a production of Students Matter, LLC, and Brilliance and Beyond, LLC. Our show's theme music, Something Different, was written and performed by Reveille and obtained through Soundstripe.com. Like what you hear? 
make sure you never miss an episode. You can subscribe to this podcast on either iTunes or Spotify, and it could also be found on our website at abundantly-charged.captivate.fm slash episodes. If you like our show, please leave us a review. We would love to hear what you like. Until next time, remember, let's remain abundantly charged.